Yeah. Well, it's good to be with you this evening. Um, before I begin, there's something on my heart I'd like to share with you, uh, something to pray for. Uh, as some of you know, a few of us men, um, on, we go out to preach on Sundays in other places, as the Lord calls us to. And um, I was at a church recently in London, and after I finished preaching there, um, an old lady in the congregation came up to me and said, Thank you for coming. We have been thirsty for a long time. Thank you for coming and quench our thirst. And I nearly teared up when she said that. And um, please pray for our nation that God will raise up ministers. And pray also for the men who go out to proclaim the word. It is a very um, high responsibility. And uh, that's why you don't see me very often. It's because of that. But, um, but do pray for us as we go. Uh, we do need your prayers as we seek to feed the sheep without an under-shepherd. Having said that, please take your Bible and turn to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. The title of my message for this evening is Living in the Fear of God. Living in the Fear of God. And as we come to God's Word, it is always important to be reminded of the fact that whenever the Word of God speaks, it is God who speaks. And so we want to make sure that we are attentive to what God has to say to us this evening. And, uh, and pray for me as well as I seek to be faithful to the text. And so let us pray, and then we'll dig into our text this evening. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful and grateful for this day that you have given to us. Thank you for bringing us here safely under this tent to worship you, to praise you, and also to hear thy word. And we do ask, Lord, this evening that you would help your people to be attentive hearers of your word and also doers of your word. Give them a heart, Lord, to understand what the word of God says concerning the fear of God. And help me as well to be accurate in my interpretation and representation of your word this evening. And I pray all of these things so that Christ alone will be exalted in the lives of your people. Amen. Living in the fear of God. So let us read Psalm 86. I'm going to read from verse 1 and down to verse 11. The Word of God says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. 
Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous things, thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Living in the fear of God. My habit generally is to take you verse by verse for a text. However, this evening I would like to preach a thematic or a topical sermon on the fear of the Lord, on living in the fear of the Lord. And the reason I want to do that is because now, our pastor has been going through uh, a topic really on the necessity for us as Christians to move from milk to meat. As I'm sure you know, if you've been here, he's been teaching us about how to be established in the faith, how to grow as a Christian, how to move from drinking milk to eating meat. And the fear of God, the topic of the fear of God is a very important subject for you and I to grasp and be established in, in order for us to grow. Simply put, the fear of God is an essential ingredient in the spiritual diet of a Christian. And so without it, growth will be stagnant. Growth will be hindered and stunted. I'm sure this evening you have a desire to grow. I'm sure you have a desire to move from milk to meat. Therefore, you want to make sure that this theme or this topic of the fear of God, you want to make sure you know what it is about. And so for the sake of your growth in godliness, for the sake of your growth as a Christian, I'd like to go through this topic with you this evening. Now, the topic of the fear of God is dominant in the Word of God. You've probably read about it several times in your Bible. It is dominant in the Word of God, and yet it is neglected in the lives of many Christians. The fear of God is mentioned in one way or another in the Bible well over 150 times. And I want to read a few verses just to prove to you the importance of this topic. So I'm going to read a few verses. Listen to them very carefully. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, we read the following. This is God speaking to Abraham, and God says, Lay not thine upon the lad. Lay not thy hands upon the lad. Neither do anything unto him, for I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. In Exodus chapter 1 verse 17, you don't have to turn to these passages, I'm going to go very quickly through them. In Exodus chapter 1 verse 17, we read the following, But the midwives feared God and didn't, did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. Exodus 20, 20, Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you that his fear may be before you that ye sin not. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 14, Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God, I am the Lord. We keep going. In 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 24, the word of God says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Joshua chapter 24 verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 24, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. 1 Kings 8.43 That all the people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee. 1 Chronicles 16 verse 25 For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Job chapter 28 verse 28 And unto men he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm chapter 2 verse 11, serve the Lord with fear. Psalm 32 verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Proverbs 1 7, you are familiar with this one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of what matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13, sanctify the Lord in your heart and let him be your fear. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 22, fear ye not me, saith the Lord, will ye not tremble at my presence? Amos, Amos chapter 3 verse 8, the lion hath roared, who will not fear? Malachi verse chapter 3 verse 16, They that fear the Lord spake often to one another. A book of remembrance was written before him for them who feared the Lord. Now that was Old Testament. All the scriptures I gave you about the fear of the Lord was Old Testament. And you might think, is it just in the Old Testament? Not really. It is also in the New Testament. Here are a few verses from the New Testament about the fear of the Lord. In Luke chapter 12 verse 5, I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you who fear him. Acts chapter 9 verse 31, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 chapter 2 verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12, Paul says, Work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17, Pass your time of sojourning in fear. Revelation chapter 19 verse 5, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him. I can keep going, but I think that will suffice to show you that the fear of the Lord is a dominant theme in the Bible. Don't you think that you and I need to grasp that and understand that? Absolutely. And I have to say to you, the reason why the fear of God is something that you do not hear often today is because it is not preached. Why expect the people of God to fear God if it is not preached from the pulpit? 
There was a time in the universal church of Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you who are older may remember this. There was a time when you would look at a brother or a sister in the church who is godly. You would say, that is a God-fearing man. Oh, that is a God-fearing woman. And the reason why you would attach this label to a man or a woman, a man who is God-fearing and a woman who is God-fearing is because they lived before the face of God. They lived their life in holiness. They were like Job, who feared God and therefore turned away from evil. There was a time when you would look at a Christian and say, that is a God-fearing man. But that is not the case today. Again, why? Because we're not acquainted with the fear of God. And so in light of that, in light of the dominant theme of the fear of God, and in light of the fact that it is neglected in our churches and in pulpits, we need to revive it. We need to revive it. And it is my prayer this evening that as a psalmist prays, that the Lord will unite our heart with the fear of the Lord, that this will be your prayer as well. And so, by way of definition, what is the fear of God? What is the fear of God? I'm sure immediately in your mind you're thinking about being scared of God. Because this is how we use the term fear. Right? It is being scared of something. You run away from something because of fear. But the fear of God is simply this. It is the reverential and trembling awe of the majesty, the holiness, the goodness, and the severity of God. That's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is the reverential awe and trembling awe of the majesty, the goodness, the holiness, and the severity of God. It is a reverential wonder and trembling at the sense of the majesty of God, of His goodness and His severity as well. Consider Isaiah chapter 6. Why don't you turn there very quickly. Isaiah chapter 6. You're very familiar with this passage. Our pastor has preached from it before. You've read it before. Isaiah chapter 6. There we're going to find a prophet of God, Isaiah himself, who sees the Lord, and then we'll see his reaction to this. Isaiah chapter 6. That's the Old Testament. And I'll begin in verse 1. In the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting up on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Let's stop there. Very quickly. What happened to Isaiah? 
we read that Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. There was, he, there was this vision that he had where he saw the Lord. It was as though the heavens were open and Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the holiness of God and the majesty of God. Note it, it says the, his robe filled the temple. If you watched the coronation, you probably saw the, the coronated king with a robe. That was the train of his robe and they were carrying it. But there is a greater king, the king of kings and lord of lords, and his robe fills the temple, which shows to you how majestic this God is. He is the true king. And also he is holy, holy, holy. He is righteous. He cannot coexist with sin. No sinners enter his presence unless they've been made new. And so Isaiah sees the majestic, this majestic God, this holy God, and what is his response? We read in our following verse, verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was struck with fear. He was struck with an awe, a sense of awe of the majesty and the holiness of God. And in light of that, he saw his sinfulness, and rightly so. And there is an example of the fear of God in the lives of Isaiah. A reverential fear and also a trembling that comes because Isaiah saw the totality of who God is, this big God. If a lion were to come into this tent this evening, most of us, I'm sure all of us, will run out of fear because we know what this lion could do to us. But now, if someone very important that you know of was to come here, let's say a king or a queen was to come in here, because of their position, because of their majesty on a human level, we will be reverential, and rightly so. But the fear of God is both of that together. There is a sense of dread because we know that this God hates sin, but also a reverential fear because we know that this God is gracious. He is loving. He saves sinners. And so there is a combination of the goodness, as Paul says, the goodness and the severity of God. And later on, I'm going to show you how important this is in your Christian life. There are some of you here, I know you just got baptized recently. It is so important at the beginning that you establish yourself in the fear of God. Because that will help you in your growth as a believer. But now, with the definition of the fear of God in your mind, there is an ungodly fear of God. There is a sinful fear of God that I want you to, to see. Would you please turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, that's right at the beginning, of course. I want to show you an example of 
a sinful fear that you and I as Christians must avoid because we've been made new. Genesis chapter 3. There we find the account of Adam and Eve who ate from the tree. I'm going to read from verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that is crafty, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, uh, unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Let's stop there for a moment. Before they ate from the tree, these two people, Adam and Eve, they were innocent. They were innocent in the sight of God. They could walk in holiness with God. But after they ate of the fruit of the tree, they sewed fig leaves. They made fig leaves to cover themselves. And in verse 8, look at their reaction when God this time came to them. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. Notice that they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam was afraid of God, and he hid himself from God. Why? Why did Adam do that? Before sin came into the world, before they sinned against God, there was a perfect relationship. There was a godly fear in Adam and Eve. But now, because they had sinned against God, and God's presence was in the midst, they began to hide themselves from God, and they were afraid of Him. That, my friend, is, it is a rightful fear. If you're an unbeliever, if you're an unbeliever this evening, you should be afraid. And naturally, you would want to hide from God. Because you know you've done something wrong. But as a Christian, as someone who has been saved by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not hide from God, even if you have fallen, even if you have sinned. Because you know that He is a forgiving God. Because you know that He is gracious. How many times in your Christian life be honest with yourself. How many times after you've sinned, 
after you've done something wrong as a Christian, you think to yourself, I might as well just run away from God. I, I will not repent. I will just sit there and just mourn and mourn and mourn and, and never go back to God. You felt that way before? Well, that's because you're not thinking of the forgiveness that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not thinking of God rightly. In fact, you only have a one-sided view of God, which, by the way, is dangerous. It is dangerous. You, you want to have an all-comprehensive view of God. Not only a knowledge of His holiness and His justice and His judgment, but also of His grace, mercy, and love. Let me give you an example very quickly. What comes to my mind immediately is the Pharisees. Remember the, remember the question that the Pharisees asked Jesus, or that they asked themselves, or the disciples. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? They were troubled by that. They were perplexed, the Bible says. Why is the Lord Jesus Christ eating with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes? I mean, after all, he claims to come from God, and so why is he eating with these people? Why would they ask that question? Here's why. The Pharisees, they had a high view of the holiness of God. They had a high view of God's righteousness. They knew of God's law. Which is why they were always very religious. In fact, even Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you're not going to enter the kingdom. Jesus recognized that these Pharisees, they were seeking to be righteous. But they had only a high view of the righteousness of God, but not of the grace of God. Which is why they were condemning the sinners, and the tax collectors. And let me say this to you, brothers and sisters, a one-sided view of God, that's idolatry. That is idolatry. For many of us, we get our view of God simply from John 3.16. For God so loved the world, and that's it. Our view of Jesus Christ is simply from the Gospels. But what about the book of Revelation? What about this Christ that is revealed in the book of Revelation? The one who comes down on the white horse and is ready to judge and make war. What about this Jesus? And so when you and I have simply a, a one-sided view of God, simply about His love, grace, and mercy, not long later, you would see how you would not have a serious view of sin. We need to have a view of God that comes from the whole counsel of God. Not just John 3.16, but the whole counsel of God. From Genesis to Revelation, we need to have a view of the Lord Jesus Christ from the whole counsel of God. And when we do, we would have a rightful fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther the Protestant reformer in Germany. Before he became a Christian, he even said that he hated God. Do you know why? Because he only thought about his justice, his righteousness, his hatred of sin. He saw God as this judge that punishes sin, and rightly so. 
but that's all he knew until he read in the book of Romans that the just shall live by faith, until he read the Gospels, until he understood that Jesus Christ, that his work on the cross is the basis upon which God justifies the sinner. And it is by faith. And when he understood that, he said himself, it's like the door of paradise was opened to him. Why? Because Martin Luther at this point understood, yes, he is a just God, but yes, he is also a gracious God, and he saves sinners. That was Martin Luther. And so guard yourself from having a sinful fear of God where whenever you sin, you just run away from Him. You run away from Him. The fruit of a sinful fear, just remember that, the fruit of a sinful fear of God is to run away from God. But a godly fear is the kind of fear of God where you run to Him. Think of the prodigal son. If all he thought about his father, that he was just strict, would discipline him, was hard on him, or maybe would stone him to death, would he have returned? Or would he not? But one thing the prodigal son knew about his father, and it is this, that his father was generous. He knew what he deserved, but he also knew that his father was generous, and therefore he returned. When you backslide into sin, when you backslide into some formal ways of life, do not forget the character of your father. Do not forget his love, his grace, and his mercy. You know, a friend of mine today, a friend of mine today was talking to me at school. He said to me, uh, I go through a lot of temptation. And, um, and I thought, well, that's part of the Christian life. But you know, sometimes when you go through temptation and maybe you give heed to the temptation, maybe you fall into the temptation. And especially as a new believer, your tendency is to say, I've messed up. I've messed up. I'm not going to go back to God again. He's not going to accept me again. At this point, you're not thinking rightly about the God who saved you. You're not thinking rightly about the God who saved you. The God who saved you is also the God who will sustain you, even in the midst of temptation. So the fear of God that we as Christians have is like that of a father and a son. A father and a son. You know, a son who who fears his father, is, is a son who understands that his father has standards. His father loves him. And at the same time, his father is going to discipline him. And yet, when he messes up, he doesn't run away from his father. He stays there. Although he knows that he deserved discipline from his father, but he stays there. He doesn't run away because he knows also that his father loves him. And that's our father. That is our Father. We have this, this filial fear of God. A fear of God which is like a father and a son. The relationship between a father and a son. And as a Christian, 
This kind of fear has been brought to us by God Himself in the new covenant. I want you to see this in Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. In the new covenant, under the new covenant, God puts his fear in us. We don't work it out. He works it in us. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39. And the word of God says, And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from them and do and to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts and they shall not depart from me. What is God going to do for those who are under the new covenant? He will put his fear in our hearts so that we will not turn away from him. Instead, in this fear of God, we turn to him. We turn to him instead of running away from him. Before I end this evening, I want to talk to you about the benefits of fearing God. The benefits of having the fear of God. You know, when you have the fear of God, when you as a Christian, when you are beholding the majesty and the holiness of God, here's what He will do to you. You will turn away from evil. Read Job chapter 1. Here's a reference for you. Job chapter 1. The Bible says that Job feared the Lord and turned away from evil. When you are beholding the holiness of God, when you are beholding the glory of God, the majesty of God, and by the way, all of that comes from the Scriptures, when you are looking at who He is, the totality of who God is, you will turn away from evil. Imagine, imagine being by yourself, and there you are being tempted to sin, but you recognize that God is next to you. Will you still sin? I'm sure you won't, unless you have a rebellious heart, unless you do not have the fear of God in you, which, by the way, is a characteristic of the unbelieving heart. Romans chapter 3 speaks about that. They have no fear of God in them. But you as a believer, you have the fear of God in you, and when you fear God, naturally, you turn away from evil. So are you struggling with sin? Are you battling with sin? Have a greater fear of God. That is the key. That is the key. You want to be able to mortify sin in your life? Grow in your fear of God. What about holiness? When you have a greater fear of God, not only will you turn away from sin, but you will go after holiness as you are seeking after God that you fear. That's why the Apostle Paul says, didn't he? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
When you fear God, you would seek after sanctification and holiness. You know, sometimes we think, oh, because I'm not growing, because this is not happening. Okay, maybe I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do this more, do this more, do this more. And you can do all of that. And yet without a fear of God. In fact, you do it because you're scared that God might zap you if you don't do it. That is not, that is a sinful fear of God. But a godly fear of God, a godly fear is the Christian who says, I know I've messed up. I know I need to pursue holiness. And my desire is to grow in godliness, to know this God more, to fear Him more. Therefore, I am going to read my Bible to know Him. Therefore, I am going to pray and commune with Him in order to know Him. Turning away from sin and turning to godliness. And at the center is the fear of God. Even the Apostle Paul, when you read about the Apostle Paul, his he had a... The fear of God drove his passion for evangelism. He even said that it is because of fear, because of fear that he persuades men, because of fear that he persuades men, because of the terror and the trembling, he persuades men to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the fear of God that should drive our evangelism. It should be the fear of God that drives us to sanctification. And it should be the fear of God that helps us to turn away from sin. And so the question this evening is this. Do you fear God? Do you have a fear of God? If you're not a Christian this evening, maybe you have a fear of God like Adam and Eve had, where you're hiding from Him. You're scared and you, you are dreading, you have a trembling fear. And you need to have that because of your sin. But let me also remind you of this, that God sent His Son into the world and He laid down His life for sinners. He came into this world to find the lost. And if you're lost, if you're a sinner, He came to die for sinners, so come to Him. He came for the lost. And so if you're lost, go to Him. For those of you who are believers, and especially new believers, I would beg you, please, seek to grow in your fear of God even now as a believer. And how can you do that? Know your God. It's as simple as that. Know your God. From the whole counsel of God, know Him. Know about His omnipotence. He's all-powerful. Know about His omniscience. Know about Him being all-knowing. Him being transcendent above and beyond all things. Do not make the mistake and think that God is on the same level as you. He's not. He's, a, he's in a different category. He's above and beyond you. One to whom you owe Respect, honor, and reverence. So God is not like you. He is unlike you. As someone said, sometimes as Christians we get so friendly with God that He turns out to be like a grandfather who allows you to do what you want. Sorry, grandfathers. But sometimes we think God is going to, you know, 
Even if we sin, He'll just let us go past. Not really. As a father, He will discipline us. So have a view of God that comes from the whole Bible, not just a few selected verses. Okay? So I hope these truths will help you as a Christian to live a life that is Christ-exalting and God-glorifying. You know, He deserves it, right? Christ deserves our full devotion. Christ deserves a pure bride. He deserves us as a bride to behold Him. He is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And we need to live in light of Him. There is a Latin phrase which goes along the lines of Coram Deo, which means in the face of God. And as Christians, we want to live in the face of God. We want to live in the fear of God. Living day to day, knowing that He is right next to me. This God, this God of majesty and holiness is always next to me. And He is. His presence is always there. His presence is always there even though, even when I do not feel like it, His presence is always there. And when I, when I live in conscious recognition of His presence always there with me, would I turn away from sin and evil? Absolutely. Would I turn to holiness? Absolutely. And so, be established believer. Unite your heart, as the psalmist says, in the fear of the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And we want to repent, Lord, of our lack of fear of you. Lord, forgive us of having a skewed view of you, of having a view of God simply from a selected few verses in the Bible. Forgive us of idolatry. Forgive us of having one, a one-sided view of God, which is the cause of a, a lack of fear of you. I pray for your people, Lord. I pray you would help them and help me, O oh God, to have a greater fear of you, to have a greater reverence and awe of who you are, to tremble at your word, to tremble at your majesty and your holiness and your goodness and even your severity. Oh, please, Father, help even the newborn babes, the, the new believers in our midst. We thank you for having saved them. We thank you, Father, for having uh, birth them into the kingdom of your dear beloved son. And Lord, we recognize that as they are, they have just started this journey. I pray, O oh Lord, right at the beginning, you would establish them in the fear of God. Oh Lord, please help them in that. For those of us, Lord, who are maturing and growing, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would continue to help us to grow in the fear and the knowledge of you. Help us to hate sin more and to love holiness more. Oh, help us to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. May we be more like Christ today than we were yesterday and more tomorrow than we are today. Oh God, I pray that you would please help your church to grow in the fear of you so that we might live lives which are Christ-exalting and God-glorifying. Holy Spirit, help us. 
Help us to understand God more. Help us to apprehend God more through the Scriptures. Unite our hearts with the fear of the Lord. For Christ's sake. Amen.